Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, a show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, yo! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of Saturday Morning Rewind. Of course, I am your host, Tim Nidell. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I got two accounts for you. First one is at Saturday Rewind. Second one is at Tim the Tune Man. It's all one word, so please follow me on there. It'd be amazing. Of course, we are the show that takes you back to your childhood one interview at a time. And this interview is no different because I'm taking you all the way back to the year 1992 because I have Paul Zaloom on the show today, who of course was Beekman from Beekman's World. If you unwound the videotape you're watching me on right now, it would stretch the length of 12 school buses. I'm Beekman, and you've just broken into Beekman's World. I cannot tell you how much I loved Beekman's World as a teenager. I know there were a few science shows back then, back in the 80s and 90s, but Beekman's World, I don't, there was a, something special and unique about Beekman. Maybe it was just more entertaining, I don't know, but I adored Beekman's World, and it was amazing to have him on the show. And hopefully you guys enjoyed as well. But of course, before I play the interview, please go on over to our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. And I just posted a brand new YouTube video a few weeks ago. Probably my most personal one. It's a video where my brother and I, who's a couple years older than me, him and I go back to our hometown of Reno, Nevada, a place we both moved away from in 1993. And this is actually our first time back together ever since 1993 when we moved to Florida. We go back and visit our childhood homes. We actually get to go inside of both of the homes we lived in in the early 90s and late 80s. They let us in there and we actually got to videotape it. We go visit our old schools, some old friends, and more importantly, we took our dad's ashes with us. And if you guys know this show, you know how important that is to me because he's the reason why I started Saturday Morning Rewind. There would be no show without my dad. So it's really kind of a homecoming for us to go back to Reno, Nevada and to spread his ashes and relive our childhood. So hopefully you guys really enjoy the video. I try to make it as entertaining as I could, adding music, adding voiceover. But if you guys really want to get to know me more on a personal side, go check out that video. I put a lot of heart and soul into it. Again, just go to our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com and click on the YouTube link and you'll find Tim Nadell slash that 80s kid. That's where the video is at. And make sure to subscribe to us too. I also want to give a quick thank you to our brand new iTunes reviewer. George, you are amazing for that five-star review that you did. It really does help us out when people do that. So thank you so much. And everybody listening, you know that it is the holiday season. Christmas is right around the corner. And if you want to give us a free present, iTunes ratings are amazing. I also want to give a quick thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of December. 
So thank you guys so much, Mike Clemens, Erica Palello, Caitlin O'Color for one, Gemma Bright, Tori Garvin, Jeff Peterson, Q Fortier. You guys are simply amazing for your continued support. And the things that I've done this year would not have been possible without your support. You got me to the LA Comic Con in October. You got me get to Reno in September and you guys are just really helping us out buying new equipment like microphones and pretty soon I needed a new computer because my old one's kind of crapping out on me. Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for your support. It means the world to me. And again, if you are listening now and want to help out, just go to our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com and you'll see the donate tab right there. Just click on that and join us on Patreon. And uh, Patreon starts at only two bucks a month. Like I said, I love Beekman's world. And now here is my interview with Beekman himself, Paul Saloom. So first let me just say, I was a huge, huge, huge fan of Beekman's world growing up. So thank you so much for your time today. This is gonna be a lot of fun, I think. Oh, you're welcome, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Before we start talking about Beekman's world, tell me more about yourself. I kind of want to know our show is all about reliving childhoods and everything. What was your childhood like? Uh, typical American East Coast suburban <laughs> childhood, uh, I guess. Maybe nah, maybe not that typical. I mean, I grew up in like an upper middle class family, so I went to private school. Okay. Uh, so nah, I guess that's not that typical. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, but it was pretty swanky. Uh, we didn't live in a castle or anything like that, but we were we were pretty well off. My and my folks put six kids through private school, so that's where all their dough went. Good God! So there were no Cadillacs or motorboats or anything yeah. like that. Um, they were big believers in education. And look how I turned out. Oh well. <laughs> Do you feel you missed out a little bit by not going to public school at all? Uh, I. I I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think my my mom prejudiced us so strongly against public school mm-hmm. uh, that, um, that that's never really occurred to me. I mean, I I think I was just really happy that I wasn't going to parochial school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that was an option. And, oh, uh, wow. And my, my mom wasn't Catholic. Um, but my dad was, and I had my older brother went to Catholic school for a very brief period, and my mom said, "No, this isn't going to happen." So that was uh, that was where the fear was based. I, I was bet into that realm. <laughs> when did you get into uh, stuff like puppetry and that kind of stuff? Well, I went I went to private school and the prep school and all of that, and by the time college rolled around, I was pretty sick of um, academia. Yeah, it was not. It just was not uh, something I responded to. Being the you know the artsy uh, bohemian type, uh, the regimentation and just I, I you know and the schools were kind of square. I ended up going to a, um, the first um, progressive high school in the country, Putney School in Vermont, as an exchange student uh, for three months, and that was really a great experience. And then I went to hippie college uh goddard college in vermont uh-huh. and uh total hippie no um there were no rules or requirements um there were no grades 
you know, you're supposed to do something and show evidence of doing something. Um, but there, they, there were no guns allowed. And there was one guy who used to walk around with a gun shooting it all the time. And you weren't allowed to have a dog and everybody had a dog. So uh-huh. it was just completely wild and crazy place. <laughs> and, um, the bread and puppet theater was in residence there. And that was an, an avant-garde kind of neo-German expressionist puppet theater. And I ended up taking some workshops. And the next thing I know, I was in the company. And that's all I did for my college education, basically. Wow. Um, was work in a professional theater company and travel all over the all over the place. And, you know, worked as a professional since I was 19. So that was uh, a very lucky thing. Uh-huh, I bet. Did you draw any inspiration from somebody like Jim Henson? Uh, I worked with Jim Did you? Um, on a pilot uh in the 80s sometime uh a really terrible pilot um called inner tube i think it was called okay because he was a fan of my puppet shows i i did uh shows with found objects Mm -hmm. um different junk and debris and packaging material toys whatever tools whatever junk i could find i would animate as puppets and uh there was not a lot of that going around in those days and you know it was all comedic based and political satire and he came and saw my shows and liked them and he said why don't you be a part of this pilot and uh it was uh it was great he was a really very nice man mm-hmm. he actually he called me up to his uh his uh, Pied-a-terre in Manhattan in the Sherry Netherland Hotel, and uh, it was it was amazing. All the furniture was custom made, like fantasy furniture. Wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty interesting. So uh, yeah, I did that with him, and uh, yeah, he was a, he was a he was a swell cat. Yeah, but I, mean, I come from the opposite tradition of puppetry. Mm-hmm, I come from mm-hmm. the uh, it's not kids puppetry, the bread and puppet yep. theater, and it's very <laughs> political and kind of anarchist and. Um, it just couldn't be more different than uh, than Jim's thing, and that's probably why he likes you so much. You know, it's his outlet maybe to get to see the other side of what he can't do. Really, I think he was pretty open to uh, stuff different than his, mm-hmm. and and his foundation, which has supported puppetry in this country with grants and festivals, uh, they've been pretty supportive of work that. Uh, as a matter of fact, they don't like supporting work that use Muppet style puppets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pretty much don't do that, which I think is great because it was a trademark thing with them and it's so distinctive that I don't think other people should do it. I fully agree. That's that's kind of the way they feel. It's Mm -hmm. like, why are you doing this style when it's so idiosyncratic to the Henson thing? Mm -hmm. Exactly. How did you get involved in uh, Beekman's world? Well, I had gone with Jay Dubin, who was the guy they hired for the director. And... um, uh, they had hired Jay, and Jay was like this crazy cat from Brooklyn with wild red hair and a Dems and Doe's accent and just a complete lunatic. And I had I knew him through the old school, um, the good old um, Quaker Jewish um, leftist summer camp network. Uh, through a buddy of mine was a producing partner of his, and this buddy and I had gone to this great uh, communist summer camp, Quaker summer camp. It wasn't really communist, and it, it wasn't really Jewish. I'm just exaggerating. Uh-huh. It was Quaker, 
though, and um, it, it was an integrated camp since the day they opened the doors, 1947. So it was, again, a very progressive institution. Mm. And, and I knew a guy from there who ended up being a producer, partner of uh, Jay, and we pitched something to HBO back in the, the Pee-wee days, and it didn't really go anywhere. Oh, wow. And then when they were trying to pitch, uh, when they were trying to cast Beekman, they couldn't find anybody weird enough in Hollywood to to do the job, which was kind of hilarious. Because <laughs> they said they just found like sitcom dads. Okay. Uh, they couldn't find any freaks. So uh, Jay said, "Well, I know this guy in New York. He's kind of a freak." And that's uh, they flew me out to do an audition, and I basically spilled some water in the middle of it, and then ad libbed off that splashing around with the water and just ad-libbing and that uh sealed the deal wow it, for years i mean you had me fooled i thought you were a true like scientist and then come to find out you, you weren't no i'm i'm not and uh just like you know i'm um i'm not a doctor but i play one on tv uh -huh. it's the the important thing is um that you are able to understand what you're talking about and and really understand it because if you don't then you can't sell it okay uh, and that was kind of the um that was the thing that i had to do is to make sure that the, that the material was understandable to me because i figured if it was understandable to me then hopefully it would be understandable to kids mm-hmm or maybe the other way around. If, if kids get it, then I'll get it. And that's why 53% of the audience was adults. Mm -hmm. Because I, I asked an adult friend, I said, why did you watch this show? And he said, because I knew I would get it. I would understand the science. And that's interesting because it's pitched, you know, it's a kid show. Yeah. So people said, oh, if it's a kid show, they're going to explain the science in such a way that I get it. That makes sense and, because I wasn't necessarily a kid when I watched it. I was 13 or 14 when it came out. So maybe that's why I enjoyed it as well, because it was speaking to everybody. Right. Yeah. Well, we wanted to have, we wanted it to be like a Warner Brothers cartoon where it operated on a bunch of different humor levels mm -hmm. that uh, it wouldn't be excruciating for the parents to watch the thing. They wouldn't want to kill themselves when mm -hmm. watching this stinking show. <laughs> uh and it's always nice for to have jokes that the kids don't quite get, make them reach a little bit. Um, you know, the model for our show was, um, in in my head, was Soupy Sales. I mean, I think the writers mm -hmm. were were more um, uh, Mr. Wizard fans, um, which I was not. I did not like that show. I was not a fan of that show. Mm -hmm. I thought he was obviously a mean old curmudgeon, and I I, I just couldn't stand that show. Because Mr. Smarty Pants. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and and he hated he hated the new science shows. He says I don't understand why they have to be funny. And oh wow, so he did come out and and talk about you guys then, huh? Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was completely unnecessary and gratuitous probably as gratuitous as what i'm saying right now yeah <laughs> i'm bad mouthing this dead guy but uh anyway soupy sales was much more a model for the show because soupy was so likable and such a goofball and just the way that he he treated the the frame you know the tv the the edge to edge of mm -hmm. the tv was really interesting you you mentioned how you spilled water accidentally, and that could have helped you get the role. 
did stuff like that happen while filming? Did you have made any mishaps while filming? Uh, yeah, we had tons of them. And uh, the rule was, the evolved after a while, was even if something goes wrong, you keep going. Because you, it still may end up in the show. Okay. And well, I have a blooper where uh, we had a character called Ray, which was an arm that comes in from the side. Mm-hmm. And that just, you know, hands me stuff or pours stuff. And that was actually based on the idea, a soupy idea of um, uh, White Fang and Bluetooth or whatever their names were, the two puppets that mm-hmm. came in. They were just arms that came into the edge of the frame. And it's it, just interesting because, it, you know, Soupy treated the frame like it has an edge. And that mm-hmm. doesn't happen in television. It's true. You, you don't, it's not played. The edge isn't played. But television was new enough that it was still kind of regarded like a theater. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So in the theater, there's an edge in the proscenium, and you can play that edge or not play that edge. And uh, and that was really interesting um, to do that. So anyway, he would. we were doing this thing with Art Burns, which he was this disgusting chef that I played mm-hmm. who was always sneezing into the food or his teeth were falling into it or, you know, it's just really gross. And whenever we need to do a recipe or something or make something, Art Burns would do that. And um, I think his name was Art Burn. And, uh, and so I'm asking... You know, I say, put this ingredient, put that ingredient, and the hand comes in, and he's putting the stuff in the wrong thing that I'm holding. And he does it like three three times. He does three things, and I keep yelling at him, and the camera's rolling. And we we ended, we didn't end up using that, but one time, like, the, I think we had an alligator on the show, and it kind of snapped at me, and I, I screamed like a girl and running out of the frame, and I think that ended up in the show. Here you talking about that. I wish I could find some episodes I could watch because there's nothing out there I could watch. Is there? Is there? Uh, there are no episodes on YouTube. I looked on YouTube. There's like small clips, like two to three minute clips here and there. Nothing else though. Right. So it's hard to believe that I haven't seen this show since what ninety eight. Huh. Yeah, that's not cool. No, that's not. Uh, I, I would actually I I haven't watched a full episode in many years, um, and I should do it because I you know it's uh, I, I you know I think the show's like not, it's not so bad you know mm-hmm. it's pretty good, and I I like that you know I like seeing it saying oh that was funny that was good we did a good job on that and then you know there's always some times when you're like no oh, boy that was that didn't work <laughs> but. Um, we had a really good time doing it. And it, the team, the team, people who put this thing together were like unbelievable and very dedicated and really talented. You know, the writers, they, they did uh, the theory of um, relativity in six minutes for, you know, six-year-olds. I mean, wow. How the hell do you do mm-hmm. that? Um, so I have, I have a lot of respect for the work that they did and how they would conceptualize stuff and figure out how to make it interesting and funny and, and compelling. Um, the show, the show is very popular in Latin America. I don't know if you know that. I did. I found that out recently. You're like Elvis down there. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, it is really, really crazy. Um, it's, it, it, it's nothing like what, uh, any, any live kids show in the States, uh, any of them, it, it, there's not a fanatical following like that. Wow. 
And um, like the last gig I did in Mexico City, two hours after the gig, I was in a, th a theater uh, in a separate part of the campus where I was performing. And uh, two hours after the gig, they needed 20 cops to get me out of there. And I'm just mobbed by people, and they made it like a cordon of cops. And like the guy told me, "Don't stop!" And I had to That's just crazy. run to the van. People are pounding on a van and running out into traffic and stop. And it's like, wait a minute, this is a kids show, that science <laughs> show. What the hell's going on? Is it still on the air down there or something? I never really can get a straight answer. Um, I don't think it is, but it it's it goes on and off periodically. Okay. And it's it's a pretty strong nostalgia thing um, mm -hmm. because the, when I play, I'll, like I played to five thousand or between five and ten thousand people outside an outside venue at the uh, Instituto Politecnico Nacional in Mexico City, and then they live streamed it, and one point five million people watched the live stream. Oh my god. Yeah, which is yeah, it's, that's a lot of people for a, a Facebook live stream. Yeah, seriously. I think, or maybe it isn't. I don't know. But uh, it, it, the the passion that people have for it there is reflective. I mean, I ask people like, why, why, and they say, oh, you explained science so well, or oh, Mexican TV for kids was lousy, hmm. um, or you know, it was funny, and but that that doesn't explain. It doesn't explain this. It's th this is something about emotions. It's mm -hmm. about that's you know if you get emotional about something, it's because it's it hit you emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I I thought about it a lot because you know I was like, what the hell's going on? Why? And I think it's because the guy looks at you and is very close to the camera, and he and he's talking to you, and the kids are sitting there, and the guy's talking to the kid. Yeah, and they don't make a big there's not a, a big distinguishing element between somebody in the room talking to you, looking you in the eyeball and somebody in a tube in a box looking at you doing that. And that created an emotional connection. And plus I think the guy was somewhat likable mm -hmm. and affable. And I think that just created this strong emotional connection. And, you know, a lot of people as a result um, became scientists or science teachers, doctors, astrophysicists, um, neuroscientists, hmm. you know, brain surgeons. I mean, I, you know, I've had hundreds of people tell me to my face that I wouldn't be doing what I am doing today if it weren't for you. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, it's, it, 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 I'm just the front man. You know, this was, this was a big team of people who put this together. Hmm. And um, we're going to have a little reunion of all of us in the month. Are you really? Where's that going to be at? Uh, here in L.A. at Santa Moses's place, uh, she played Phoebe, the middle of the okay, or the yeah, last yeah. of the three women uh -huh. on the show. And um, I'm I'm actually gonna I'm gonna um, make a statement, you know, because I I I need them to understand what a great effect that they've had in Latin America. Mm -hmm. I mean, a tremendous effect. And I think has kind of changed the history of the country because of so many people got seduced into science and technology and engineering because of the show. Too bad uh, Mark Ritz can't be there. What was, what, yes. Tell me about awesome. Mark. Tell me about Mark. Well, Mark was a really, really wonderful guy. And I, I adored him. We were very close. He was a very, very warm, kind, very funny, mm -hmm. goofy cat. 
And he was hired to do a puppet on the show because originally Lester was going to be this rat puppet. Interesting. And that's what he was in the pilot. And Jay said, I don't want a pilot in this thing. It, I mean, a, um, a puppet in, in the show because it's just some stinking sock that just it'll always be cut to this thing. And it says something allegedly funny that's probably not going to be funny. And then who needs it? We don't need like a wise guy character. He says, I need a human being who can hold things, who hmm. can demonstrate things, who can, you know what I mean, do physical stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm a puppeteer. I mean, I believe in puppetry, but I totally get it was not helpful. And it's, you know, whenever you use a puppet in a show, a TV show or a theater show or whatever, the question always has to be why. You have to have a compelling reason why. And there was no compelling reason why, except it was a bad idea that somebody had. And, you know, so Mark is a, he was a puppeteer. He, his family were puppeteers. They were on The Tonight Show a bunch of times. And, you know, he grew up being a puppeteer. And that's that was his thing. And uh, so when he showed up, you know, uh, we said, well, actually, no, you're going to be in a suit. And he um that really, I, he was he was completely shocked, but he stepped up and and did it. So you know, and he was he was an amazing performer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was uh, incredible. He was so talented. He could do all different kinds of voices and accents and stuff. And I think the level of his talent was something that raised the rest of us up, just by dint of how good he was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it. I mean, it sounds like typical uh, showbiz BS. Uh, uh, oh, what a great guy. But he really was a really great guy. And I adored him. And uh, we. I, I was privileged to care for him uh, in the last few months of his life. Oh, wow. I went and helped his family with him. I would stay and when Teresa needed to. Teresa needed to go to, um, like, voice lessons or, or whatever. I would go and and um and take care for him uh, take care of him and it was a it was a great pleasure uh because i loved him so much yeah i mean i i i saw the chemistry on on the on the show so is great that you could have been there to help out last couple months yeah yeah he was great he he um (laughs) he said a couple of things to me he said you know paul cancer sucks i'm like yep and then he, one other time, what did he say? Um, I think he, and this is when he was really sick. He said, you know, Paul, life is good. Hmm. And uh, I thought that was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to have so, that kind yeah. of perspective on life when you know it's over. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. So looking back now on Beekman's World, what... Is there one thing that pops out that we haven't talked about that you can think of uh, amazing moment, maybe an even episode that you loved something? Well, um, I think my favorite episode or thing was the, the snot episode. Um, because J- this was early in the show, very early. And Jay said to me, how would you do snot? And I said, Oh, I would have like a corridor and I would coat it in snot and make that a nostril and, <laughs> And then I go, and that kind of bad idea evolved into us using a big sauna tube, which are those big cardboard tubes that are used for pouring concrete foundations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we just, they got a really big sauna tube and then put bubble wrap inside and then put like $700 worth of industrial grade um, 
Hollywood snot in there. And then I wore a hazmat suit, like (laughs) an astronaut thing, you know, and we did the whole NASA deal with it. And, and that was just ridiculously disgusting and idiotic. And, um, you know, kids love, uh, bodily functions. They're, of course. Yeah, and so it's a great avenue to kind of get them into science and to understand, well, you know, it's not, it's not just a between-meal snack. It's also this important thing that, you know, it's the sticky stuff that traps dirt and germs as you breathe through your nose to, so that kids can understand, oh, you know, these things actually have functions. There's a reason why. And I think the idea is maybe not so much to teach them about snot, but also just to get them in the practice of thinking about, oh, why is this like this or what does this do? And kind of really getting into the depth of it and thinking mm-hmm. about why things function in the ways that they do. That was I, I enjoyed that episode. That was fun. Now, we talked a little bit about Mr. Wizard's thoughts on the show. Did you ever have a run in with uh, Bill Nye? Uh, I was on Science Friday once with him, and I think we were, we may have been in a panel or something. I bumped into him in a hotel lobby at some event that we were doing. I mean, he, um, he actually talked in the press about uh, the fact that I wasn't a scientist. He mm. called me a performance artist, and he called me an actor, and said that I wasn't a scientist, and that is why his show was better than ours. Hmm. I I never um, engaged in any of that because um, I think you know the more science shows, the better. And I I never really considered him to be competition. I mean, yeah, I'm just not. That's just not the way I look at stuff. Um, and I I I was puzzled why he needed to badmouth uh, me, but. Hmm. You know, you'd have to ask him to find out yeah, what exactly. his motivation was. Cause, and, you know, T, TMZ called me up when he was doing Dancing with the Stars. Uh-huh. And they said, oh, what do you think about that? And I was I was biting that worm. You know, it's, <laughs> what do I think? It's fantastic. You know, he's representing for science. That's great. Yeah. So it's not the sound bite they wanted. Um, and I guess, I don't know, I guess he did pretty well on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, I didn't see it. I, I, yeah, I didn't watch that one. I, I mean, I don't watch any I, of I them. Didn't but. Either. I, I didn't either. Um, so, yeah, it's I don't get the whole competition thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see his point, but as long as you guys are doing the science the proper way, you know what I mean? It, there's no there's no big deal in that, having yeah. an actor in front of the screen. Well, a lot of people get on his case because they say he's an engineer. Exactly, yes. He's not a scientist, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I don't think it makes any difference. The, the, what makes a difference is whether it works or not. Exactly. You know, that's that, to my perception, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. Who yeah. knows? But, and I, I actually don't care. Yeah. I care less. <laughs> Just as long as the show was successful and people responded to it and people, you know what I mean? That, that's what was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what that was what was meaningful to me so like i said i adored it i loved all the cast and crew and all the all the little gags you guys did so i had a great time when i was 13 14 watching it oh that's so nice to hear so what keeps that's you what, what keeps you busy these days uh well i'm i've been i'm working on some stuff some beatman related stuff for latin america okay um a couple of ideas that i have for PSAs and maybe some publications and stuff like that. I've been working on a found object uh, epic about going to Mars. 
uh, puppet show. Um, but my collaborator and I, we are just so busy with other stuff that it's been hard to get any kind of momentum and time put aside mm -hmm. to actually do that. And we met yesterday, but that that's a fun sort of long range project and um, just making those puppet shows. Yeah, I bet. And yeah. then I'm touring my my show, uh, White Like Me, a honky-dory puppet show. I've been touring that and playing that around. And where can people find the tour dates for that? Well, I, actually, I'm kind of done playing in the States. I did a lot okay. in the States, and now I'm I'm playing in Europe and, and elsewhere. I've been to Turkey and Sicily wow. and going to Spain and hopefully Scotland next year. I've uh, been to France and uh, Estonia, Slovenia. That's crazy. Um, yeah, and I played in Mexico City. That was really fun. And plus, I'm doing these Beekman gigs, uh, in mainly in Mexico and Brazil. Okay. So, yeah, and those are really fun. Those are really great. Uh, I love Mexico. I love the Mexican people. It's super warm and friendly, and I get to put in a lot of jokes about the uh, the idiot. And, um, and that's, you know, that's really fun. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it, you know, it's... Um, I don't know what the expression is. It's, I mean, I'm kind of pandering to them, but I don't mm -hmm. really care. So I'm just trying to find ways of mentioning the moron uh, in the right content, insulting him in the right mm -hmm. context. Yeah, I bet you love, love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun to do. And I do it sort of as a sides, so I don't make a big deal out of it. Okay. And I never mention the name. Um, <laughs> All right, man. Paul, I want to thank you so much for your time. Huge fan of your work. This is an honor just to get a chance to talk with you. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for inviting me. It was fun to do. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cranky old man, and <laughs> and um, I'm full of crap. So it's always an honor to um, be able to spew my uh, my. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my whatever all over the place so thank you for inviting me i, I had a good time of course and can i have you close the episode out as as beekman if you can can you summon a little bit of beekman out but a bing but a bang but a boom thanks for listening to that saturday morning rewind please check them out on facebook and twitter and that's all folks